Hey, it's the Productize Podcast. My name is Brian Castle. Today I'm talking to Rosie Sherry. She runs ministryoftesting.com. That is a really a thriving community of software testers. So people who actually test software applications and websites and things like that. They're the testers. They test the user experience. They test to make sure that all features are working properly and that there aren't any unforeseen risks or vulnerabilities, which are extremely important things. And there are people who do this for as their profession. And so Rosie has built up this this really amazing um, membership community. There's a free forum. There's a paid forum. There are some courses. They do a ton of conferences. Believe it or not, there are conferences for software testers. And there's a lot of them. And they are a lot of people attending. So uh, so yeah, it, it really is an important piece of the puzzle when you're building any sort of product. You know, the larger companies employ a lot of these folks, but it's the smaller companies, the startups, and the, even the services who use software who really need this sort of testing done. So yeah, it was great to talk to her about just what is testing, what goes into it, what's what's involved, what to think about, uh, but more so, you know, about how she's been able to build up this community over the past, uh, it's been several years now that she's been working on it. So yeah, here you go. Here's my conversation with Rosie Sherry from Ministry of Testing. Enjoy. Okay, so I'm here with Rosie Sherry. Rosie, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Brian. All right. So today we're talking about software testing. That's a, it seems like a very specific kind of trade and a service. And before I heard about you, I never thought of offering this as a standalone service. You know, it's, it's interesting. Cause I mean, I've, I've been a web designer, web developer, have worked on many websites and many software applications and all the testing in my experience has been done either by myself or by my team or other teammates in house. Um, but the idea of bringing in outside consultants is, is interesting. But anyway, why don't you kind of fill us in on what you do today, like the all the things that you're involved in, and then we'll kind of go back and get the story. Sure. Um, so today I call myself the founder of Ministry of Testing, and that's a UK-based company. I'm based in Brighton in the UK, and we kind of call it a community for software testers or more so now for software testing. So rather than focusing on testers as a career, it's more testing as a craft. And yeah, basically I'm the founder, the company itself started um, officially six, seven years ago, but it spawned off online community that I started about 11 years ago. And now we've got a team behind us. Um, We're about 10 permanent employees now, um, strong and yeah, it's, it's the past couple of years have it's just been nuts. And for me, it's kind of started because I, I was once a tester and I just kind of felt like there was nothing out there for us. So before we really dig into what is testing and everything, I, mean, I, I guess I just want to kind of clarify, like we asked, like, what is ministryoftesting.com? Like, what can somebody kind of expect here? It looks like it's a combination of content. There's a private community. There are some courses and also, is it for people who want to become testers as their occupation or people who need help with testing? Or, yeah, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so mostly it's, so the online, well, the website, should I say, it's about to switch over to a brand new website. We've been working on that for quite a while now. Um, well, maybe by the time this airs, it'll be out. Yeah. This will come out sometime <laughs> in, in probably May. Okay, so I'll have to give Richard a strong nudge to get that out um but yeah at the moment when you go online it's online is mostly focused around um, 
three areas for us. There's the online learning platform, which we call the Dojo. There's the community forum, which we call the club. And then the other aspect is this kind of conferences that we do. So those are kind of like the three main main things. So as an example, like all our conferences will end up online on the dojo. We record every single talk um, going back from when we started. So there's like a huge archive there. Um, the club um, used to be called the Software Testing Club. It used to be on softwaretestingclub.com, but then we moved it into a subdomain as under Ministry of Testing. And then there's the conferences. Um, and mostly it's it's all really targeted at software testers or people who are interested in testing. And that, that tends to be testers who do testing for a living. And most of them are full-time employees for a company. So a, a typical purchase for like our online platform or a conference does come from a company or the HR department, so to speak. Right. They're trying to train their people or, or get people up to speed on on uh, like testing software. Yeah, basically. Got it. And it looks like you do run quite a few conferences. <laughs> so like, how large are these events and like how often and where are they? And So when I started, so I did, I did the Software Testing Club forum for like four or five years. And there was a point where I said to myself, I, said, I can't do this anymore. It's taken up too much time. I, I either have to make it work for me to make kind of a living from it, or I'm just not going to do it. And I had always felt like there weren't any good conferences or events out there for testers. So I thought it would be a good idea to try one out. And I was living in Cambridge at the time. So I, you know, being me and, you know, I just do things that make it easier for me. So I, I did it in Cambridge and there's, you know, a great tech community in Cambridge as well. So yeah, I think that was 2012, we did our first one. And that that had like 60 people. The tickets were really cheap. It was really about testing out the idea and seeing whether people would follow through on whether they actually wanted to go to an event and pay something to go. Because quite often you get people saying, yeah, I'll, I'll pay, I'll go. But when it actually comes to it, they, they don't or can't. So that, that was like testing the waters. Um, then after that, my family moved back down to Brighton, where we had been living before. So we just continued to do it, the same conference, but we started doing it in Brighton instead. So Brighton kind of became the hometown or the home conference for Test Bash. So it's, it's the biggest one we have. Um, we've had up to 350, 400 testers for Brighton. Um, wow. So that's that's a one-day conference. But then in Brighton, we also do um, workshops on the day before and some training courses. So for members of Ministry of Testing, like, do they get access to all these things? But I guess the conferences are kind of like a standalone ticket sales. But I guess access to the courses and to the to the forum, and is it like a monthly or annual subscription? Like what, what's kind of like the model there? So at the moment, the tickets are standalone on their own. Um, we, char- we charge anywhere between 250 to kind of 400 pounds for them, plus that. And then the forum is, that's just free. It's a, it's a free forum, free for all. Um, we've got a private area in there for paid members. If you become a member, you get discounts to our events as well. So we get quite a few members who sign up and then they get like 50 quid off each event. So quite often that kind of pays for their annual membership. So that that's interesting to me is that the, the forum, because I thought about like I run a private forum for paid members of, of my productized community, but I don't have a free forum or like paying members get access to the private forum and a private Slack 
but I've, I've never offered, and I've thought about offering like a free forum or a free Facebook group or something like that. Um, but I never could get my head around like, well, what's the separation between the free stuff and the stuff behind the paywall? Um, I'm curious about how, how you do that. It sounds like you, ha- you do have a free forum and then also a paid forum. Yeah, I mean, the free one is really how we started. So it makes sense for us to continue that as like the heart of the community, so to speak. And the pay part, to be honest, is only a really recent thing. As we built up the dojo and the online courses, we've kind of done, we have private areas for discussions with some of the trainers. So some courses you can like ask questions to the trainers. So there's a private section for that. And we've also started using it to give the discount codes out to members because up until then it was quite a manual process so to speak people would have to ask for a code or we would email a code out that they could use but now they've got an area on the forum they know that they can always go to find that discount code Hmm. you know it's also interesting to just this whole profession of being a professional software tester i mean literally right now i'm i've been doing a lot of google searching and researching on courses to learn how to code I'm, i'm trying to up my coding game and go beyond just HTML and learn how to, you know, code in like Ruby on Rails and build applications and things. And there's a ton of information online, paid courses, free courses, YouTube videos, Udemy, books, you name it on teaching people how to actually write and develop software. But to be honest, I've seen nothing on like how to be a professional tester. (laughs) <laughs> and you're you're nodding your head like yep i i know that <laughs> and I, really that's that's like why i'm here and we're here so to speak it's like you know i've been nodding my head about this for years but you know it's like creating content is is really hard work and creating good content is even harder and trying to get people to write good content it's just so so difficult so like we started the dojo three years ago thinking yeah we can get some good content out within a year you know, but three years later, we've got some good stuff up there, but nowhere near what we would have liked to have. And it, it's just, you know, it's such a slow process. And then and then to top it off, it's like there's so much really bad testing content out there. It really, it really does make me cringe and thump my head against the wall because there's, there's all these people that kind of rank really highly on Google, um, like for SEO and, and all of that, on all these software testing ideas. So all these people are, are coming across bad testing advice and you know i i guess that might feeds the uh the misconception that on the professional level like if you're a coder or a small software development shop that you could do your own testing right like um well i guess that's the question like can or should a software developer software designers should we be doing our own quality assurance testing or should we be outsourcing that or hiring dedicated people for that role I think it really depends on a lot of things. I think a lot of people can test their own stuff to an extent, but then it's like, you know, how far do you want to take it? And it's like, as a developer, you can design stuff, right? But it doesn't mean you're going to be the best, do the best job at it. You can get by. And it's the same with testing. It's like, you can get by testing your own stuff, but you're not, you're probably not going to do the best job if you're not like studying it day in and day out. So like all these testers in our community are literally just like focused on testing and they know all the things that they should be thinking about. And I bet you anything is that you get a good tester in and they'll spot problems 
straight up practically straight away. Obviously, it depends on the project and stuff. But um, I think the beauty of testers is not necessarily going in and like breaking the product. It's like they'll come in and ask you a lot of questions and you'll be like, oh, yeah, we didn't think about that, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to pick back up on like how you've built up the community and that side of the business. But yeah, I mean, I think it'd be good to kind of dig into the art and craft of proper testing of software. I think if there are so many software products, mine included, <laughs> that that probably <laughs> fail miserably on just doing poor testing and poor planning. Um, so yeah, like, can you talk a bit about like what kinds of products or websites are we talking about when we talk about user testing? Like, do your people tend to work on testing public marketing websites or is it more for like applications like SaaS and mobile apps and things like that or both? Honestly, there's a mixture of everything. Um, we've got members in our community from the most common people that you know, such as Twitter to Atlassian, all the way to web agencies, banks. I think there's like a huge, there's a huge mix of people, and they're all working on kind of different products and different strategies and different budgets. Is there some sort of like commonality across all testing projects? Like we always start with testing or reviewing this part of, of a project and then we go to this layer and then we go to that layer like is that or does it really differ from like if you're testing a bank website versus testing a SaaS application versus testing a, a social network it would be completely different i think it's more probably based on the kind of business and team structure so like with banks you tend to have a lot of people who are still working in the old waterfall kind of way that's generalizing a bit and then you have people who are working at startups who are very agile or more agile or wajah, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, so, you know, if, if I were to roughly split it, I, I would probably roughly split it into the old world and like the newer world where it's like non-agile and agile. So it's really about, yeah, like the waterfall, which basically is like somebody writes up this huge spec document. Like, this is the plan, we're sticking to it no matter what, versus agile, which would be like, okay, we're going to break things up into smaller issues and we'll learn as we go and maybe adapt. Yeah, basically. Um, and, uh, and you do get people in the middle who are trying to bring more forward thinking, agile type test thinking to projects because um, like the, the old school of testing was basically you write up a huge long test plan and then you write test scripts, which you would have to perform once the product was ready and you know there could be a huge wait for that to happen and then by the time we get to the test scripts which were written by someone else you go through it and none of it would actually make sense so it's you know it's a huge huge kind of waste but there are stories of more people doing exploratory type testing which is kind of more agile type testing into older environments to get a bit of that mix in there Hmm. so software developers know that writing unit tests, writing integration tests into the software itself is a big part of software development. And it's still a, a very necessary part of, of software development. But when it comes to user testing, it that goes a step beyond. Like I guess we're talking about things that that the code can't necessarily test for. We're talking about like user experience testings, right? Like like can you give us maybe a few examples of of the types of things that that a professional tester would look for or would would go through or would report back to a a team? Yeah, I mean, I would say that um, trying to see um, or look at the product from many different angles. So they would 
tried to put the the hat on of a business person. They would try to put the hat on of as a user. They would put a hat on as a support person, a salesperson. You know, they try to think of all these different scenarios and uh, not only test for those scenarios, but also like work with the team to ask them questions and understand the product and where the risks lie. I guess it really gets into like that customer persona stuff, right? Like it, it it's almost like there's a fine line between the user tester, like the testing professional and like a user experience designer or somebody who would be doing customer interviews and that sort of thing. I, th- I think there's an overlap there, but I think that simplifies it too much. And I think, I guess one of the biggest challenges that testers have is the fact that they need to know so much about the business. So they're, they're probably the one of the only people in the business talking to everybody else because they want to understand the product as much as possible. So they'll be talking to developers, to designers, to project managers, to the business, to support, to, to customers, to everyone. And really, they have this really great picture of how everything interconnects. But if you compare that to like a developer, they're, they're mostly stuck in their own world speaking to one or two people. So I think that's where the advantage comes is that when you start to have that overall bigger picture with a certain level of detail, you start to understand how things work and or don't work and you can start to see where problems do happen. Hmm. Does testing come into play during the pre-build, like during the design phase, the planning phase, or is it only after features are built, now it goes to testing before we send it to production? Or, or does it also get involved even later like okay this is live in production we need more testing like when and where does does a tester go in and do their work it should be from the beginning if i'm you know ideally but that's not always the case and and it would go all the way through to the end so testers can be involved at the very beginning perhaps in a lightweight way but then as the project builds up they'll they'll get more involved and be able to contribute in different ways and test when it you know up to when it goes live and once it's live and when it gets updated and also so i mean people think that you know it's like testers can't help testing from the beginning but as a profession that kind of understands software you know if if you can get a tester involved to help with the design of it to you know talk about the product and ask those important questions that maybe no one's thinking about then it really does make sense to have some kind of testing involvement. Um, are most testers like working full time at a at a company, or are there freelance testers? Like, I'm I'm curious. Like, people in your community are there? Is that like a common thing? Like, freelance tester going to work for a variety of companies, or you know, perhaps like productized services? I know that a lot of people listening to this podcast are consultants or they're interested in launching productized services of some form, and and maybe they have this sort of skill set. Maybe they're interested in learning it but perhaps offering it as like a productized service offer. Do you, do you ever see that sort of thing or do or are testers typically just in-house people? I'd say there's a, there's a huge majority who are mostly permanent people or kind of what I would call full-time contractors. And I personally don't call contractors freelancers. I think there's a, there's a big difference. Like contractors tend to be full-time on a job at any one time. Whereas it's like freelancing, I know like in in the startup web world you get a lot of freelance designers and programmers people like that but you do get them in the testing world but there's not nearly enough i don't think people who just you know can manage multiple projects at at any one time with different clients there's not not a lot of that 
And I don't think that personally help, helps the testing world. I, I, I think it would be great if there were more freelancers out there working with smaller companies like you know yeah i was gonna say i think it's 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 probably the smaller companies who aren't properly tested because they don't have the budget to hire a full-time tester but they would really benefit from having a part-time or you know project-based tester come in which is why you think in in the testing world you end up getting like startups like applause um there's a few out there i'm not even gonna go into them but um they do a lot of paper bug type testing they probably don't call it that so much these days but basically a lot of testers get rewarded per bug that they find which i i personally just don't like as a model because it's like you know testers end up focusing on the wrong thing they're not asking the questions they're just looking for bugs and testing is more than finding bugs it's you know it's about looking for risks and helping people understand the risks which doesn't always mean that there's bugs in the projects it's just like this there's things that people need to be thinking about yeah and it's like what is a bug like and and what is just a poor design or poor experience yeah interesting cool so yeah i mean why don't we go back in in the story i mean how did you even get into testing yourself uh well i can blame my husband for that i like that one um as this is going back to 2000 2001 um i was working in a bank in a really boring job i was like 20 21 or something and I just really wanted out of it. So I was like trying to think of what I could do. I didn't have like any qualifications or anything like that. But I kind of wanted to get into tech, but I didn't know what was out there. But he was working at a company and he he helped me kind of get my foot in the door for a testing job. And I guess the rest is kind of history. I think once you get your first job in a certain space, it becomes easier to get other jobs. And it didn't take me long. I, I stayed there for like six months. It wasn't a great job, but I stayed there for six months and I managed to get another testing job quite a big pay rise at the time and I just continued on from there and I was just kind of self-teaching myself from what was out there which wasn't a lot to be honest there were a few people blogging there were a few books out there I kind of enjoyed it and then 2003 I had my first child so he's he's now 14 and then I had another one 18 months later and I kind of tried to get back into testing after that but I kind of soon realized uh, that it just wasn't it wasn't worth it for me. And to be honest, as a, as a woman with two kids, as soon as I mentioned kids, people just like went quiet on me. <laughs> so you know that that was a reality. So say like, okay, fine. You know I had to kind of like figure out. And you know, to me, it's a blessing in disguise because it's like you know I, I didn't really want to be working full time and being away from my kids all that time either. So it's like. It really made me think about what is it that I need to do. Yeah. Is that when you started to like publish online about testing? and? Yeah. So it was coming up to the whole um, web 2.0 time, kind of like 2007. Um, I was doing a lot of things locally, which I was enjoying. I'd started like a, a Girl Geek dinner um, meetup social. And that was really kind of positive for myself and just getting to know the local community. I was also involved in creating a co-working space. Um, so I, I was doing a lot of that and, you know, just completely fascinated by the Web 2.0 stuff that was going on at the time. Um, I was introduced to like Seth Godin and people like that at the time. And I was just like, I kind of fell in love with the whole kind of marketing aspect of things and the blogging aspect. And you know, 
I think I probably found my calling a bit more in that side of things than in testing, but I realized that I could really merge the two because all this cool stuff going on in the web world, and I was like dead jealous that nothing was going on in the testing world, but I, I saw it like as an opportunity for me to do something about it. Yeah, that's you know that's really interesting. It's like taking. I, I feel like there there are a lot of people who kind of discover online marketing and and just entrepreneurship and remote work and and flexibility, and then just applying that to some other passion or some other experience that they've had, you know. And I've seen that play out in, for different people in different ways. I mean, I've always kind of thought because I have before my web work stuff, I I had a background in in music and music production and audio engineering and recording and everything, and, and I always kind of regretted like letting that fade away and the instruments collect dust and everything. But like, if I had taken what I learned about online marketing and online design and everything and apply that to to some niche community like that, that would have been good. But in, in some ways that that ship has sailed, you know, but, um, but, but I've see that I see that happen all the time. And so I guess that's kind of what you were thinking back then is, is like, okay, you're, you're home, you need the flexibility, and you're interested in online marketing, you don't necessarily want to go back and work full time as a tester again. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what, what were kind of your first steps then? Well, uh, I did a bunch of freelance work, um, which was very kind of ad hoc. So was like I'd get a project for a few weeks and then it would stop and I wouldn't do anything else for another few weeks, for example. A lot of that tended to be for web agencies. And I I had done, like after my first child, I'd gone a few months after, I'd gone and contracted for a web agency. And I was, I was like really frustrated at the time because I was commuting into London and from Brighton, which is like an hour and a half each way. Um, it wasn't a lot of fun. And often I would get there and there'd be nothing for me to do. So I'd like end up sitting around doing nothing, waiting for a release and stuff like that. So at the end of that, I just said, look, you know, I'm not going to contract like this anymore, but if you ever want any testing, you know, just get in, get in contact with me and I'll do it. I can do it from home. And so I did that with a few companies and a few companies ended up coming back to me like two or three times each year or something for small, small bite-sized projects, which I, I was quite happy to do. It kind of fit around, around my kids. And then, like, 2007, I started the Software Testing Club, which was, like, when Ning came out. So I, I created it on Ning. Oh, yeah. And that's what eventually became the club today, which is the forum. Yeah. So and Ning was fine. It was great to begin with. But it's like it didn't take them long to, like, sell out. And then they stopped, you know, developing it. It was really frustrating. It's like Yeah. I remember there, there was, like, a couple of years there where every community was on Ning. And then they all yeah. just kind of disappeared. Yeah. And we only moved away from it like last year, I think. Looks like you moved to uh, Discourse, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Discourse is great. It's really kind of lifted up the community up again. Um, and it's really great for forum content moderation. Yeah, I, that's what I use for the productized forum. And it's it's fantastic. I mean, it's like they thought of all the all the things that we need. I love the mobile experience too. I, I Most of the time I'm communicating on, on the mobile version of the website. Um, yeah, they really do a great job. Um, so I guess at that time, it, like it, it, that was the first thing that you put up there was like this forum and, and that was a free to join community. Um, I'm always kind of interested. I know that you're, you're doing this kind of in the, well, not, not the beginning, but like the, maybe like the heyday for these online forums, right? Like, like how did you attract the first members and how did you, uh, especially as a free 
community? Like, how did you weed out the, how do you moderate that sort of thing? And like, what are some, were some of like the early challenges that you've had with that? Um, I guess the early ones was, were attracting people. Um, at the time, I kind of knew some testers. Um, the community was much smaller back then, but I had a blog and I knew some people that I had kind of been conversing with. So I kind of just set up the forum and I said, hey, come and check this out, come and join. And it was really just like a, a game to me. You know, I didn't really think, you know, I didn't have plans to that this would like take off. And then pe- people joined. And I remember being really happy, like when 100 people joined. I was like, yay, wow, this is great, 100 people. And by the time we stopped using it, like at the beginning of last year, it had like 20,000 people, which, you know, it's a, it's a fair chunk. It's not like massive, massive, but, you know, it's... And I mean, like the draw for them, like the reason somebody would seek out a community like this and join it and be active in it is because they are a professional tester and they're just looking to connect and kind of talk shop with other testers. Is that... Kind of. I think I think the thing for me was that I pitched everything that I did with my heart and honesty of trying to make it a real place for, I guess you could call it now, human connection. And what the testing world suffers a lot from is it being so corporate. I was about to say something else. It's you know, it's just so such a corporate world where everybody's. You could you could curse on this podcast. I mean, <laughs> no problem there. <laughs> it, it, re- it really frust- frustrates me. It's like. All, all these testing companies, they want your money for something. So it's like all the, one of the reasons I started a conference was because all the conferences out, out there had like the speaker slots were sold to vendors. So you'd end up going to a conference and watching a vendor speak. And you're just like, you know, what's the point of this? And, and that was the choice for testers is like, what, you know, there was, there was literally nothing else out there. So my idea was like, I said to myself, well, if I can create a space that doesn't have that, doesn't have any of those sales pitches within the forum within anything that I do our philosophy is about just speaking to each other about testing and, and nothing else and to me that's not a big ask I mean we, we should have had that already but it just wasn't out there and I think because I did that and I consistently did that without selling out at any point even though you know some money would have been nice I never I never sold myself out to those kind of things where else Whereas elsewhere, everybody else did. So I've become known as like Rosie Sherry is is good. Rosie Sherry, you know, is is an honest person. She's trying to do the right thing. Yeah, I could see the um, the attraction to that, especially when everything else out there is so monetized and promotional and corporate and everything. I guess I'm what I'm wondering because I've been thinking a lot this year about community and trying to improve mine and try to kind of revive mine in many ways and like. One thing that I've been thinking about with online communities, really marketing in general, but especially community-based marketing is like all the members need to be in some sort of like mission together, right? Like everyone's trying to achieve, everyone's trying to achieve something. Like they're trying to go from point A to point B and, and there's some sort of commonality in that. That's what kind of connects these people and brings them all to this sort of site or this community. Like, is there something like that with testers? Like, is it they're trying to be more effective at testing or they're trying to level up their career as a tester or what what would be the um, what are they kind of striving for together if that makes sense for me i think they're striving for more connectedness together to learn more about testing and that testing is really in my opinion just beginning as a craft 
It's like the old way of doing things. We just like have to chuck all of that out and start afresh. And so we have all these things that we kind of need to shake off ourselves. And I wouldn't say forget, but, you know, accept them, but look to the future and, and move on and create something better. Do you mean in terms of like the tools and the technologies that people are working with and using in their testing work? I think everything from the skills to the tools to the way we learn to what we learn to how we talk about testing um, to how we help others build their skills up to how we recruit testers. Um, To me, it just, you know, it's almost, it sounds kind of daft, but it's almost like a land grab to me in the testing world. It's like everything is up for grabs for testers who are passionate enough about things to make a difference. They have a real opportunity to do that at the moment because we're getting rid of the old way of doing things. And there's a lot of opportunity for people to kind of make their mark with new ideas. But the challenge is with the community is that a lot of people don't have the confidence or think that they can't make a difference. So I think where we come in is like, actually, we can show them that they can do this. And we believe in them. And we, as cheesy as it sounds, is like we do change testers' lives. We have changed many people's lives. And I get people telling me time and time again, I say, thank you for creating a ministry of testing. It's just literally, you know, it's like literally changed their lives. And they've now like restarted. Their, their passion has reignited. They were stuck in a world of boring testing and they've discovered all the things we're doing. And they're like, wow, how come I didn't know about this before? It's amazing how, how powerful just that connection can be the community and around what you do for a living you know i mean i'm in several communities and and i go i'm not a big conference person i just go to a couple every year but but yeah like there were a few years there before i was more involved in these communities where i was just doing my work as a freelancer alone in my bedroom as you know just doing projects and like not really connecting with other professionals in my field and it it, yeah i mean it, it was like night and day not only was it way more enjoyable once I started connecting with people? But of course, it, it led to many more opportunities and, and networking and everything. Yeah. I mean, one one example like recently is, um, there's quite a few examples. I could tell you a couple. Um, recently, there's, there's this woman called Constance, and she's been doing comics her whole life, practically. And she was at a point where she didn't think that she would be able to do her comics anymore. But then she went to one of our conferences. She's a tester as well, but she does like comics like as a hobby. And then she created a comic of the conference, like this kind of like infographic type comic. And she kind of worded things like perfectly. She was like, she really understood the messages of all the speakers. So she had a slot for each speaker and she, she just, you know, worded it perfectly. And it was like, wow, this is amazing. And then from that, she's now doing like regular comics for us. But for her, that's like, been a real positive movement for her that we've seen in her that you know she's like this little shining star in her own way and she's reignited her passion to combine comics with testing and it's kind of you know lifted her her up a lot and then there's the other story which I should probably tell you about um so our conferences we used to we got like temporary tattoos of like our logo and some of our characters. We kind of got these kind of monster type characters. 
So like at the meetups after the conferences, we'd like hand them out and people like slap them on their skin and on their face and then on their necks. And I said to this one person as a joke, I said, well, if you get a tattoo, you can get free entry for life. If you get a real tattoo. She was like, really? I was like, yeah, go on. It was just a joke, but <laughs> she went and got it. <laughs> there's, there's now like seven or eight people with tattoos of our logo. And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> nice. It's like, wow, I don't have one yet. It's, it's truly, it's truly a movement. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, okay. You, you, you launched this forum. This is around 2007, 2008. It's free. It's a great community. It's starting to thrive. I mean, how do you start to make money at this, right? Like, how do you sell out now? Like, <laughs> so the first thing was the conference in 2012. So that was like, and, and I, then I did a couple of training courses that I got a couple of testers to run. Uh, I made a little bit of money, n- not not a lot. Um, and you're still like balancing the the contract projects and running this this community and. Yeah, a, a little bit of contract work. I think at the time I had a one-year-old, so I had my third child in 2011. So you know I wasn't in any rush. My, my husband at the time, he's he's a techie. And he was consultant at the time. And I, I wasn't really under any pressure for myself to like go out there and earn money. So it was just like building on the side. And then I did it the second year, made a bit more money. Um, that was in Brighton. So we went from like 60 people to, I think like, it was probably about 130 people the next year in Brighton. So that was really like the first thing was the, the conferences. And that, that seems like a good first step because it's like, right, you you enjoy the free online community and if you want something more and you want to spend on that you can just come in person for this event but yeah and and it makes sense to obviously charge for an event because that that has costs involved in it yeah and it's a great opportunity for people to actually meet each other so it's like lots of people that seen each other online for years and years but had never met so that that was really nice within itself um and it was probably for me it still is like when i go to, to the conferences, the test bashes, it's still really the only time I actually meet up with other testers. But like Brighton continued to grow like every year, not massively, but every year it was like 30, 40 more people. And then it's like by the time we get to the fourth year or something, we, we kind of outgrew our space in Brighton, which was like at a capacity of 250 people. So we had to look for a new space to accommodate a bit more but to be honest we don't really want to i think like 350 400 is like the biggest we really want to be getting for a conference yeah yeah i I found with conferences like the smaller the the better yeah yeah um yeah cool so what else like i guess as we kind of fast forward up to today like what were the kind of milestones in terms of the business of running this community so the conferences continue you have many many of these conferences every year is that still like the the primary driver of, of like revenue but compared to the membership or how does that kind of break down it's kind of split three ways at the moment um i don't have the exact figures it's roughly one third each way so some a bit more than the other but um so i got to like year four i think and people started asking me like can i can i do a test bash in my city can you run a test bash here can you run a test bash there but and until like the, I think it was the fourth or maybe fifth year, it was only really one test batch a year. I think one year we did 
two, and the second one was meant to be focused as like a tiny test batch, like a really small one. And then around that same time, we kind of started to launch the dojo. So, so the the income was the conferences and training and workshops that we were doing. Um, I did a fair chunk of like marketing type work for companies. So I'd started a newsletter every week. So every Sunday evening, um, I would sit down and put together a newsletter for the community. And after a while, I managed to sell kind of like ad slots in that, as an example. And we would also promote some events for other companies. Like if other companies were doing webinars and stuff, we would kind of be quite selective in what we would, we would promote. But so there was some, some income from marketing style activities like that. And obviously um, some sponsorship for, for the conferences as well. So income was roughly 50-50 at the time. By the fourth or fifth year, it was roughly 50-50 for conferences and marketing type stuff. And around that time, I was also like, my husband had come on board and had started helping me with all the tech stuff. But it was still like mostly just me and my husband with a couple of freelancers helping me out. So I had um, Thomas, who's our designer. He's been with us from day one as a freelance designer. He's amazing. Um, yeah, what does like the team look like today? Like how many people are on the team? We've, we've got about 10 I'm starting to lose track. I think it's about 10, 10 permanent employees and a bunch of freelance people and people who help us with specific conferences. And mem- membership just continues to grow every every year, every month? Yeah, every every week, every month, membership grows. So the, the other third would be the dojo at the moment. So it's like marketing, conferences, and dojo is kind of how... And the courses. yeah. Um, but they're, they're all kind of interlinked. So it's like, I don't really think any of these could exist without the other. So it's like the dojo would not be what it is without all the conference talks. Like the v- vast majority of the content there, even though we've got a lot of like articles and mini text-based courses and some video courses, the vast majority at the moment is still the conference talks. So it's like that really drives the dojo. And then the dojo also drives the test bashes. And it's they all kind of it's, it's it's kind of really become interlinked, and we didn't really expect it to turn out this way. We've kind of been like adapting. Yeah, I mean, before we wrap up, like one of the things that I know is always a constant challenge, especially for membership community websites, is is churn, right? It's you know, it's unlike a software, the typically a, a membership you know, somebody joins and they spend a few months in it and they kind of get what they wanted out of it. And then they kind of, their, their interest goes somewhere else and they, and they churn. But I, I get the sense that in, in what you're doing with this, like focusing on professional testers, this is their profession. This is their career. It's not like a one and done kind of thing. It's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it, are your members really staying in for a longer period of time because this is really their, their career? I think so. I mean, I'll be honest and say I haven't actually looked at the numbers on that. And I probably should, but it's just one of those things is that we've just got so much going on is that we need to kind of work on our processes for that. But um, most of them hang around. Uh, we've, we've still got members who, who signed up when we launched, and that was three years ago, for example. We've, we've still got people who come to our conferences from years and years ago. There's too many to go to all of them now because... We're doing seven, eight this year. 
from like San Francisco to Australia to <laughs> Dublin to Germany. It's fantastic. Well, I mean, this is coming out probably sometime in May 2018. So, you know, for folks who really want to get into this or are interested in in software testing as just an interest or as a profession or as a service, like um, obviously they should test out that they should test out. They should go check out <laughs> uh, ministryoftesting.com. But like what else is happening this year? Like what, what's kind of coming up? For you guys i know you have a couple more conferences obviously yeah just more conferences for me i've i um hired a ceo so um richard so he took on the role kind of end of last year and so for me it's very much about trying to get him having everything he needs to kind of take the company forward that's great. Is that for you to just like really step away from the business or for you to still be involved, but in a different sort of capacity? For me, it's to be involved in a different capacity. And um, I think like the reality of running a business is that it can really take it out, out of you. It's like, it's like we're trying to do so much like as a family and at work. And like three years ago, it was just nuts. It's just like me and my husband doing most of the stuff. And it just completely, you know, stressed me out to the bone and it was it was then that I said like right I gotta hire people to do the work for me and I was trying but it just wasn't happening or I kept failing and how did you find uh, a CEO uh he was a guy in the community top guy yeah he, he did his first speaking gig at Testbash. oh very cool you know so most of most of the people that we hire is through the community who, sh- who show like a, a real passion for for what we do but we've been working together for over two years, so I have a lot of trust, and I know who he is and how he works, and he's he's just got energy like no other. And I, I just, for me, I don't I don't know what's next, and I don't really have plans to start anything new. But I just kind of want a bit of headspace to think about things and think about exactly what I want to do, just because. I spent a lot of time doing things that I wasn't really happy doing. And, and that's the whole point of hiring a team to do it. Yeah. So I've got a community manager. I've got a marketing social media person who, are ba- you know, there's two people basically doing part of the job that I was doing before or trying to do it. They're doing it 10 times better than I was, but I was just trying to juggle t- too many things. So I just want to try to get the business in a good state with a great team and see what I want to do next. Um, whether that's in the business or not, I don't know. I really can't, you know, people ask me, and I'm like, I don't know. I just want to have headspace to think because I literally don't get headspace when, when you're... A plan, a plan to not have a plan. That, that sounds like yeah, a good yeah. one to me. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, uh, well, yeah, well, you know, obviously we'll get all of this stuff linked up in the show notes, Ministry of Testing, you know, Rosie, thanks for taking the time. This has been uh, really, really interesting, really helpful. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right. Now, before we wrap up, let me ask you, what do you think of this one? Was it good? You learned something? Are there any other topics you'd like to hear me cover on this pod? Well, let me know. No, I mean, really, like, let me know. Hit reply on any of the emails that I sent you. I'll read every single one. I try to reply to everyone. What's that? Oh, you're not on my list yet. Okay, well, head over to my site, productizepodcast.com. You can get on my email newsletter that way. 
I'll send you, you know, new episodes and all the show notes, but I'll also send you my newsletter where I share all sorts of articles and other insights on entrepreneurship, building products, productized services, software, SaaS, and other cool stuff there. So yeah, check that out over at productizepodcast.com. And of course, if you have a minute, I'd really appreciate it if you could head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, or at least just five stars. You don't even have to leave a review if you don't want to, but that would really go a long way to helping other folks like us find this podcast. So yeah, thanks a lot for tuning in. I'll talk to you on the next one.